listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. This is the Rainmaking Podcast, and my name is Scott Love, your host. Thanks for joining me on the show. Thank you for making this a top 3% podcast. Last month, we had 7,000 downloads. It's a record for us, so we're getting some traction here. If you know of any other authors or guests that you think would be interesting, if they've got value to add, then let me know. I'd be happy to talk with them and get them on my show. I'm excited about these two specialists that we have in the area of client development. One of them I've seen and heard and known for years. His name's John Klimshin and his colleague Douglas Hall are going to be on here talking about the mindset of business development and sales. This is going to be an engaging show. Sometimes we'll have shows where it's only on the topic of legal issues, such as we did with uh, last show with Laura Leopard. This is one that's going to be beneficial for anybody who's in a business development role or professional sales role. In fact, if you want to check out the video, go to the link where we have the video of this podcast because I decided to to just put that video on there of this particular show. Sometimes I'll do that when it's pretty interesting. So if you go to the show notes, you'll find the link that will take you there to the video. You'll also find their link on their offering, and they've got a special discount code that's on the show notes. Now, John Klimshin is a philosopher, an author, and an executive coach. He's authored 12 books, four of which he's recorded and published as audiobooks on Audible. His colleague, Douglas Hall, builds and consults with organizations ranging from cannabis companies to high tech. In his former role, he actually coordinated and successfully delivered a three-dimensional hologram broadcast featuring Simon Sinek. He's a pretty interesting fella, and I think you're going to get some great ideas from this show today. As always, this show is sponsored by Leopard Solutions Legal Intelligence Suite of Products, Firmscape, and Leopard BI. Push ahead of the pack with the power of Leopard. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show today. Hey, this is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. Today, we're going video, and we've got two special guests. We've got John Klimshin and Doug Hull, two world-class trainers and coaches in the area of sales and business development. And the topic for today is the mindset of business development and sales. John, Doug, thanks for joining me on the show today. Thanks for having us. Absolute pleasure, uh, Scott. Appreciate it. Great, great. And so, Let's start with some definitions. When you talk about the mindset, what does that mean and why is that significant to those people that are in the business of getting business? To me, it's all about the language. Everything that we do, every interaction that we have, every conversation that we endeavor to move forward is crafted in our minds as language. And that language can be metaphor, can be analogy, can be simile, can be imagery. And when we fix our mindset so that we are open enough to pursue conversations with a little bit of a sense of danger, meaning that we have not set an agenda in advance, that we are pursuing a path where we can find out all of the potential of both this conversation and the future relationship. That is a mindset that is separate, that is unique from, I have to make this amount of calls, I have to get this amount of meetings. Both of those are useful and relevant. Both of those give us something to measure at the end of the week. Many times when I've spoken in front of people in both staffing and and other industries, I have usually been in front of people who 
need multiple touches and multiple conversations to be able to create the conversion to some sort of paying relationship. Mm -hmm. So I have asked people, how many of us, and you know, you always ask people to raise their hand, how many of us have ever gone home on a Friday night without having had closed a deal that week? And with recruiters and with commercial real estate salespeople and with tech salespeople, the room usually stays quiet because we are not closing deals daily. These are larger relationships, right? And my favorite experience was, oddly enough, in Maryland, very close to you, not not Virginia, but Maryland. It was in Rockland, Maryland, and I had 45 commercial real estate brokers whose whose sales, uh, the gestation of the sale from the first conversation to the conversion or the deal is anywhere from 18 to 24 months. So you have to maintain some stamina to do that. So I asked the question, how many of us have ever gone home on a Friday night, not having had closed the deal that week, whole room is quiet, someone in the back of the room says, you get used to it. And Doug, what's your perspective on that? Why do you think it's important from your experience? I think in my experience, hearing that story was important because I've been talking to John extensively for a matter of years, and I don't think I've ever heard you tell that one. So, and I think that's a million of them. That's why, and trust (laughs) me, I know, I thought I apparently have heard 999,000 at this point. But the point is, mindset for me is about open mindset. I think that when we talk mindset, I hate to use the term because everybody's using it now, but we have to address commission breath. We have to address that aggressive, I need to close something this week feel that actually turns off our prospects that puts people in those dead periods because they just continue to hammer and hammer and hammer into the point where they're just ineffective. Uh, So mindset is about (laughs) zero FGs. Mindset is about going into a scenario and saying, I don't know what's going to happen here. Instead, I, I say to John all the time, and we've said this before, I think at, at some point or another, that you know, I'm going to sell this house today is the worst mantra ever. Because if you sell that house today, you can miss 100 other opportunities. You're too focused on the one thing you think you got to do. A mindset in business development is looking for multiple opportunities in one scenario rather than the close. Right. And so you all have come up with a concept called the bionic mindset. Is that correct? Yes started with us deciding that we would attempt to write a book together. And our first concept was about, let's really bring it back down to the fundamentals. Now, Doug and I grew up eight miles away from each other and years apart. And (laughs) we met after being introduced by, by someone that we knew in common who thought you guys should know each other. First time we ever met in person, we were sitting down to have lunch in Santa Monica, California. That lunch lasted four and a half hours. And the line of thought that we were interested in pursuing was, how do we bring this to the most basic so that it can be applicable to as many people as possible? Mm -hmm. We didn't have some great vision that we were going to change the world, although we're, we're very busy working on that now. And it morphed over time where to the point where one day Doug said to me in one of our creative sessions, he said, well, here's the thing. You're not a robot. You're bionic. And what he meant by that was that he, in his sales leadership career, he said, look, I want my salespeople to be absolute machines in the morning, and I want them to be wildly emotional and human in the afternoon, because that harmony could create not only activity. I'm a fanatic for activity. I love activity. I want meaningful activity. And the mindset is, this investment of time and effort today will bring me a yield 
in the future. And one of our key distinctions is that salespeople are results-oriented. I absolutely am. We appeared on this podcast because we know what kind of audience you have, Scott. Results are great, fine, and wonderful. I'm more interested in the yield because uh, another great quote from my collaborator is, sales is not an ATM. It's a 401k. Oh, right. That's a great, that's a great concept. I should have just stayed home today. Actually, <laughs> he's got all my like, content. I like well, you're good. John, you're, you're allowed quote, to quote me later. You're quoting oh, God. Constanza, I'm like, I'm leaving on a high note. <laughs> Constanza. Opposite, opposite. So tell me about this then. So this is a mindset that is built on several applications. And mm. is it when you say bionic, is this something that is focused on our ability to influence other people to buy our services or our own performance to do the work even when we don't feel like it? There's uh, components of all of that. The idea of bionic was spawned from the concept. Our original, the impetus of this title and everything where the conversation started was that we were talking about this intersection between technology and technique. Mm. And the idea that when you buy some new type of SaaS software or you're, you're, you know, given or handed over some sort of technology that you should be using to improve your sales process. The idea is to use that as a tool to make you more efficient mm -hmm. rather than a mask that you now use to hide who you are. And people go for the quantity over quality. I just went straight to Days and Confused. It's quality, <laughs> not quantity, man. But the idea here is to get the right clients, to focus on the right targets, and to be authentically yourself. So we built the applications based on an idea that your tools should be an extension of yourself and the way that you handle yourself in those scenarios should generate the yields you're looking for if you master all of the applications. I love it. The tool should be an extension of yourself. So let's kind of go into some of the different applications that you have. I remember you were saying something about, about the language. Is that correct? Or, or tell me about some of the applications that are important to the bionic mindset. Well, first and foremost, the first of the nine applications is curiosity. Curiosity. And, yeah. wow. you know, uh, curiosity allows us to build depth of relationship because what we do is we set aside our own agenda and we do something else called putting the prospect before the close. Yes, I want to sell. We called it bionic sales, not bionic be nice to people, <laughs> right? And we want to be nice to people and because we like to have a good time. We want to have fun with people and we want to make sure that as professional salespeople, that are moving through the day, that are number one, representing the profession, number two, finding a way to feed their families. We want them to be able to feel good about what they've done when they put their head on the pillow at night. And yes, it's bionic sales. We are here to generate these relationships that will lead to conversions that put money on our pocket because the capitalist way is we want a transfer of value. When mm -hmm. someone sends us a check, when someone sends you a check, Scott, or transfers money via Venmo, whatever it is that they do, when you make that incredibly perfect match between your candidate and the employer or the partnership, you are told that what you have done is of value. Yeah. That's and right. I think, right. So I think that what the language does is it feeds the opportunity for us to learn more to make deeper connections, 
and to receive invitations to go forward. If any salesperson, as a result of hearing this, works on those three things over the next week, their entire view of their their desk or their practice or their business plan for the year will shift. And tell me, what were those three things again, John? I knew you were going to ask me, and I completely <laughs> lost them. Doug, did you write them down by any chance? Oh, are you kidding me? I barely no, typed them now. Oh, I, they I were good, too. For, I checked out for a good 10 seconds. Okay, just there, re, so re, re-listen. Part. Listeners, just go back 60 seconds. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add to this, because there are components of curiosity I will add, and I do tell, remember. Tell, tell us about that. We, we talk a lot about, and I thought John was going to go a little deeper into this, but we, so we, we talk a lot about the component of curiosity is going into a conversation purely to learn something new. Mm-hmm. It's an agendaless approach to discovery. And discovery an really is boring. I like that. Thank you. It's, uh, it's partially his. I think I said without intent. Or you like intent. I like agenda. So John. Like, it's a collaboration. He, Nobody a owns any ideas. Guy. If you didn't notice, he's a language guy. <laughs> The point being is, is when you go into those conversations that way, as we discussed, you you provide an opportunity to learn much, much more than just getting somebody to a close. Now, what we have uh, started to work with our, our cohorts about, and this has actually been interesting to watch and it happened in real time and I have feedback on, is earning 10 seconds of pause, which is a, a technique that we feel puts the seller in a position where they have to be uncomfortable, but allows them to feel comfortable being uncomfortable to the point where they'll allow that prospect to just almost give them every piece of information mm-hmm. that they that they need. So when we've had we've had cohorts where somebody says, "Well, what if I they just answer the question so quickly that I don't get that ten seconds of pause between us?" Well, then ask better questions. Uh, John's and I'll I'll steal one of his quotes. One of his favorite he said, "The best response he can get to a question is, that's a good question." And so getting deep. And then pulling back and listening, letting down your guard, being vulnerable. I mean, this stuff all sounds kumbaya until you realize it is the Jedi tricks you need to just get what you need from your prospect. Right. And let me ask you this, Doug. You talked about the 10 seconds of pause. What's an example of that? Actually, we have a video I wish I had it queued up for you where John and I didn't even realize that we were on a Zoom. And uh, I had given a description of the program. This is somebody looking to buy a a larger bundle of, of seats. And we, I think it was like 17 seconds that we sat there after you said, uh, so what do you think about that? And he goes, well, it certainly is interesting. I'm trying to remember how it went. And then we sat there. I actually laid crickets down in the video. Well, he's, he made an initial <laughs> response. And I said, so what do you think so far? And, and we he sat and I there. were on Zoom. The prospect was in an airport on his phone, audio only. And Doug and I were eyeballing each other for 17 seconds. He was eyeballing. I was working. You could see me. And I just start working on emails. I look up at John. I go back. I work on emails. And the guy goes, all right, so what do you propose to do from here? Can you send a proposal? And it's just like, by not sitting there and filling that space with just more talk and sales, it's like, I'm cool. You get back to me when you've thought about it. Take as much time as you need. And that level of confidence, of pause, of discomfort allows for you to gain so much more than you would if you sat there and filled the void with, you know, pitch. So what are other examples on how we can manifest this curiosity Mm. in our conversations with prospects? When you can craft questions that have nothing to do with you, your product, or what you're hoping to accomplish, and you can ask questions based on either what you see on Zoom, what might be behind them or around them, or you can ask them, where do you see this being useful to you in the future? That train of thought that operates in the arena of thought of what bionic sales is all about is that 
yes, I want to close, but I don't have to close you. And our definition of close is coming to agreement. Should you and I agree that we should talk again? That's a positive for me. That is yet another investment in my 401k of sales. So curiosity is about, to me, it's about asking a question based on the last thing that the prospect said, not the next thing that you hope them hope to get them to focus on. Right. Because think about it. If your intent, if your mindset is to get them to focus on X, Y, or Z, and you achieve none of those, you walk away from the conversation frustrated. Well, imagine how the prospect feels. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure why we talked. Right. Waste well, my we, time. And we, we talk a lot about looking at it as a salesperson is a Sherpa. Your prospect wants to climb a mountain. Your prospect wants to get somewhere. The questions you ask is, where do you want to go from here? And then you ensure that the journey takes the steps it needs to take in the nurturing and the process of optimizing each stage of your pipeline. But it's their journey. And the more you put them in charge of where you're going, you can guide them the whole way. But a lot of times salespeople look at it as pulling like a donkey instead of just saying, where do you want to go? Okay, I can get you there. And when you make it their request, they give you more than you ever even asked for. We've had results that are really impressive to see salespeople say, you know what? I normally would have hung up the phone when I found out I had the wrong department. Turned out the guy who had three other companies. Remember, uh, what was it, Ryan? Yes. They, like, three other companies gave him like 10 leaders. I don't remember what the numbers were, but it was insane because he just stayed on the Bronco for another 30 seconds and asked some <laughs> serious questions like, oh, well, now that I got you, what do you do? Do you get a lot of these calls? Do these calls come to you? And they just started chatting. And the guy's like, you know what? I like you. I'm going to sell him what we sell phone lines. Yeah, he, was, he, he works for one of the major uh, mobile providers. He sells specifically B2B. And he had usually worked on deals of 20 or 30 lines. And during the time that he went through our cohort, he said, I'm upping my target to 100. And 30 days after the end of the cohort, he made his goal for the first time in two and a half years. That's great. Yeah. yeah and, and it was just a simplifying approach. It's a, and the sad thing, it's not sad, but the simple part of it is, is that this is simple sales. 101 tactics that we just apply to a modern approach. We stay core. We stay within the core piece of what sales is mm. from the beginning of time. It's about trade. It's about value. It's about, you know, getting something in the hands of someone that they see is worth more than what they have currently. It's about being that, you know, beacon of trust. And if you can do that and stay authentic in your approach in these days and these times, you can be a killer. You can sell eight times as much as you would have if you were a day traveling salesperson two years ago, because now people are comfortable getting on a video call. Right. And, you know, that's, and that's what you have to own. This is interesting because I hear what you're talking about, the agendaless approach to discovery, coming to agreement, becoming a beacon of trust, having curiosity in our conversations. These are phrases that I never heard back when I learned how to sell in the mid-90s. Why do you think it's changed? Uh, I think everything's changed. I think, first of all, you have a different type of buyer. People are much more savvy than they were back then. It was easier to sell. Let's be honest. There was a lot of less information access. There was a lot less digital access. People had a lot you know, more inclined to buy things. You know, They were more inclined to adopt things quicker because it was just new to the market. Now we're saturated. Mm -hmm. So... And people have been oversold. And a lot of these traditional sales methods, which John and I go on about a lot in this program, it's like 
you have this lemming nature to sales where it's like somebody figures out the one thing that worked that one day and they make it, they automate the shit out of it. And I'm sorry, your editor can fix that. If okay. We'll make it, we'll make it explicit. I Thank can't you. even believe I, have, I haven't <laughs> dropped an F-bomb at this point. So I've, I've been Almost good. used <laughs> FGs. Scott, I, I used FGs, but that was like, that was my dog whistle. Okay, that's that right, right. Profane. <laughs> but like that, that was like, that was for my Gs out there that know how to F. So anyway, my point being is, where we are in the conversation was where, John? We were talking about the fact that it is harder to sell now. And, and here's the thing. Oh, yeah. I only so said that out question. loud. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, well, no, thanks for getting me back on track. I started thinking <laughs> about all this other stuff. I was going to pour one out to my homies. The point is, if we're, if you, if, well, the reason it's, hard, it's, it's so much more important now, too, is because people have just gotten more real. The uh, authenticity level, the generational changes and shifts in the marketplace you know, people don't put on a suit and walk to a door and knock on it and ask people, you know, where they're getting their insurance anymore. You know, people are shopping all that stuff ahead of time. You have you have a much more educated and savvy buyer and you have a, a much more accelerated marketplace because of AI and technology. So now what we see is a bunch of old dog sellers that are like, you know what, I wish I could. Back in the day, I just took the phone, picked it up and dialed for dollars. Well, you could still do that. But, you know, read your data first, at least know that, you know, don't don't, you know, play chat roulette with it. I mean, use the CRM, but pick up the phone. I mean, there's ways to be you and use these as tools. So the whole thing is, is just things are very different, but very much the same when it comes to sales. We just have to kind of reacclimate. There's a multiplicity of channels now that did not exist X amount of years ago. And in that multiplicity of channels, our challenge to people, our instruction and our guidance to people out of Bionic Sales is regardless of the channel, it still has to sound like you. And I was introduced to the concept of sending audio messages using LinkedIn. I got to tell you what. In the very short time that I have used that, that has increased my ability to set appointments. Not everyone responds to it, but the people that do, they respond to it almost all. Right. I mean, almost instantly. Now, it's let me point something out. John has a radio voice. I do. John sending people audio messages is kind of like, oh, wow, this. Right. Listen how he sounds. Yeah. Say hello on Sunday. 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 <laughs> right. If you're, if you're calling on two tin cans and you hear this and you're like, I'm going to do that same thing. And you start sending people like, you know, scratchy audio trackage right, and whatnot. Right. It's. What did I say on the clubhouse last week? Oh, it was like you sounded like you were on that, that radio from Signs. You know, like, you do not want to leave those types of things. <laughs> it's like know your voice. So when we talk about our programs, if, if you're an email person, right, as if if I'm reading your email, like, Scott, I've talked to you now. If you send me an email and I read that, I'm like, this doesn't sound like them. This sounds like somebody put his name on the bottom of an email. Well, don't start a conversation that way because it's just working it backwards. We had, um, what was the gal was in recruiting? What was that one? Was uh, yes, her first name is Kari. She was somehow, someway, she had convinced herself that she needed to have a certain comportment via email as opposed to her phone and Zoom, Zoom conversations. She is, oddly enough, she's a recruiter. And she doesn't compete with you, Scott, but she's a recruiter. And he, uh, actually, nobody does, right? And, <laughs> and the thing was is that she said, I don't understand why I'm not getting responses. So we asked her to share her screen. She showed us some of the language. And both of us instantly were like, this does not read like you. What yeah. is it that you want to know? 
What do you want them to know about you? So we sent her off for a week because there's a there's a week between our cohort meetings. And she came back and she was giddy. She was literally shaking on, on the Zoom. She says, I can't wait to tell you guys this. And we're like, what yeah, is it? Right. Says, we were trying to open. She's like, I got to say something. I got to tell you. I got to tell you. Okay, fine. They're you know. so quiet. Yes. The only time she talked is when she would apologize if her husband walked behind her. But this like she came and she's like, you got to hear me. You got to hear me. And we're like, what? Okay, sorry, John. That's okay. <laughs> and, I'm remembering it this time. I feel like it's regarding Henry. I'm just like, oh, yeah, that was a great time. Go on. I understand. And you cannot have a conversation with Doug without movie references. Just so you know. <laughs> right. Uh, he's, yeah, I don't know, he's made pay, probably 11 during this. <laughs> Only picked up three or four of them. The radio from signs. That'll have everybody Googling. What is he keep talking going, about? Keep going. Right, right, right. So she said, I sent an email that literally sounded like me talking, and I got a job order. Yeah, she said she didn't even ask for an order. She just sent them a note. She says, I was just myself and just told them that they could probably be better doing this than this. And they said, you know what? Thanks so much. Why don't you go to fill an order for us? And she, she was like, the whole, the whole room went nuts. But it's like, yeah. people don't. And that's why I always say, just test it. You well, never let me, know. Just be you. So let me ask you, you mentioned that there are how many focus areas of bionic sales? Nine. Nine. And we talked about one. We talked about one on curiosity. Well, so we're me, always talking about three or four at the same time. <laughs> so let me let me kind of bring this home, and then I, I definitely want you to share with the listeners what you guys actually do in terms of your services. But if the people listening today heard what you said and they want to start integrating that into their daily lives and how they get work, what would be three action steps you would give them to get started on some of the things that you're talking about? We call these PIPs, uh, which is our little play on the word. We call it put the practice into play. So we uh, right. usually will assign a PIP card to students when they're you know working on these steps. So I would say for curiosity and try to remember the PIPs offhand, earn 10 seconds of pause. So we talked about that. Whether it's 10 seconds in between one question or 10 seconds collectively, you know, That's five great. twos. But Such count, a great idea. Such a count great on idea. your calls. Yeah. How much empty room space did you actually create for opportunity? So then the second one with curiosity, would oh, learn something new on every call. It does not matter if it's about their personal lives, the industry, yourself, but you have to come off of every call with a pure, hey, I didn't know this before I talked to this person. And then the last one is to, to ensure you always move the conversation forward. And then we could talk for hours on this specifically, but not just the call forward, not just scheduling the next meeting. But clearly defining what you're going to discuss next and what you've procured at this period of time and, and agreed to, I would say it's always a little bit of a past, a chunk of the present, and a whole hell of a lot of the future. And in yeah. doing that, you ensure that that next conversation is, is forward and not a repeat of this conversation you had before. If you do That's those great. three things and asking in that spot, where would you like to go from here? It's the curiosity play. What next peak would you like to hit by our conversation next week to get you to your mountaintop? If you well, take Doug, that way, it's going to proceed. Well, Doug and John, you have convinced me that you guys know what you're talking about because I want to know more. And I know our listeners do also. Tell us what are yes, the Jedi mind tricks are working. <laughs> These are not the droids you're looking for. <laughs> oh, you want to register for bionic sales. <laughs> so tell us then, what are the offerings you guys have? I think I heard you say something about Clubhouse which is the platform that made the conference yep. call cool Every again. week we're on Clubhouse <laughs> and the Sales Club. Yeah, yep. it is It is very much an old time. It's like a party line meets yeah, right. a podcast. But John <laughs> and I have, um, we used it as a proof of content early on. We've been doing this almost a year now. Is that right? Yep. 
So we were early adopters, but um, so Clubhouse every week in the sales club, that's been great. We even had an end of year webinar celebrating. It was pretty successful. That's but, great. Uh, yeah, we've really, really enjoyed the platform. And then obviously sellbionic.com. And I don't know, John, did you want to add anything from there? Yes, the, people should understand that this is a this is an experience. When people think about training, they usually think about some sort of event. This is nine separate uh, 75 minute events over a nine week period mm-hmm. where you get the opportunity to spend time with people who do not sell what you sell, that do not sell for the same organization. And the collaboration that goes on is what gives it such vibrant yield. There are nine applications. We go over them over the course of nine weeks. And when people register, when people who listen to your podcast register, we're going to ask them to enter a code, which is the word RAIN. Great. Those people are going to get a very special discount and a whole bunch of love from Doug and I. That's great, John. And we're going to put that code and also the links on our show notes. And is that limited to a certain number of people or how would you structure that? Well, Listen, our, we, our cohorts are limited to a certain amount of seats. So as those cohorts fill, that will, you know, they'll be able to buy future cohorts. But Got it. Okay. Uh, we only limit them to a maximum of nine seats. So Great. Uh, these are limited groups. Our programs are for mid-level and senior level sellers to improve their skills. Not that we would, ne- we have not helped, you know, new sellers and, and people that are more lower luck tier, but this is really about improving, making better salespeople, not just making you better at sales. So I wouldn't recommend this to somebody just starting out. Mm-hmm. I would. Re- this is really about. We've had people hit their numbers tenfold in this groups. In these wow. groups, we want to focus on the on the big stuff. Well, that's exciting to see, and I want to thank both of you for being here. You're obviously true experts in your field, which is exactly what our listeners are looking for. So we're going to have you guys on the show here in the future. Thank you again, John and Doug. Thanks so much for being here with us today on the Rainmaking Podcast. Appreciate you, Scott. Thanks. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.